Good evening, fellow geeks. This is your host, Jason, back at it again with another episode of The Detailing Geekdom. So, earlier this morning, I went through and I started uh, naming off some of my top five for uh, uh, board games, card games, and arcade games. So, I figured I would uh, come back to it here this evening and finish up the two-parter with uh, my favorite... Um, console games and my favorite uh, computer games. So figured I'd quickly jump in here and uh, run through these. And so uh, I'll start with my uh, favorite computer games because for me that's just that's my go-to when it comes to gaming. Um, a lot of people like console games, and there's always obviously this big. Uh, uh, PlayStation versus Xbox, a rivalry that goes on with uh, console video gamers. Uh, for me, I don't really care which way or the other. I don't have any kind of brand loyalty to one or the other. I care more about uh, computer games because uh, it's just kind of what I, I I was used to when it came to like getting my first, you know, real um, gaming console at the house, if you will. Um, technically, I did have the Nintendo, I think, just slightly beforehand. But um, for me, it was computer games that really uh, got me into, you know, gaming much more. Mainly because it was something I didn't have to go outside to do anymore. You know, like I said before, it was um, fun to go to the arcade, but you still had to go to the arcade in order to... Uh, uh, play the games, or you had to go to the roller rink, or you had to go to any of these other, you know, social venues where you, you know, had to, you know, coordinate with friends or, you know, with your parents in order to go and get over to the arcade game or what have you, you know, in order to play. And so that took a lot of time and effort, you know. And as a kid, sometimes you just wanted to get get back in the house and just game. You know, uh, likewise, uh, the reason why I wasn't really a big console uh, fan, because most of the time, if I wanted to play a, a video game on a console, I'd have to go to a friend's house. Well, kind of the same issue. I had to coordinate with uh, my parents to get dropped off. I had to coordinate with their parents, you know, and them to see if uh, that was something be something that we could do. And you know, it just got tedious, especially as a ten-year-old or whatever trying to get together with friends to go and play video games, you know, it just, for me, what really struck off the computer game as being my go-to uh, venue for uh, gaming was because that was, you know, really the first time I could sit down and, and uh, play some really fun games that, you know, stuck with me for quite some time, so, um, Computer games, that's where it's at for me. Now, um, I had quite a bit to choose from because I've had tons and tons of uh, years playing it. Uh, I remember right, we got our own personal home computer back in like 95 or something like that. So this is when Win Windows 95 just came out and that was the talk of the town, you know. And I think really Windows 95 is really what introduced... Um, the idea of having a family or a home computer. I remember, you know, Windows 3.1, you know, and, and but it just, I don't think it ever really caught off quite like Windows 95 did. And so that's kind of what I thought was really cool about uh, the computer is that, you know, you had a wide range of games that you could play. Um, they had like a Game Pro pad, which looked like a PlayStation controller. So you just plugged it into your game port on the back of your computer, which those are now obsolete, you know, with the introduction of USB ports. But uh, I remember having a, a, a GamePad Pro or whatever it's called that looked like a PlayStation controller. And I could sit there and I could play video games on it, uh, primarily sports games, you know, like it was a PlayStation. And, and uh, I was pretty thrilled about that. Plus, on the same token is... You know, you didn't have to completely go through a console uh, rehash, if you will, every single time they came out with a new console, you know. Nintendo, Super Nintendo, or Sega, Sega Genesis, um, 
you know, PlayStation, PlayStation 2, 3, 4, now I think they're up to 5, you know, um, Xbox, and I think the Xbox has a new generation out as well. I mean, every single time that they come out with a new gaming console, basically all your games that you had previously were most of the time obsolete and you couldn't play it anymore on the new uh, system, you know. You had to go out there and buy a whole new round of games, whereas with the computer, what I thought was really cool was you can still play the games, you know. I could, I can go on... Uh, and play my old uh, MS DOS games uh, from from 1995 if I wanted to. Um, so for me, that that's what I thought was really cool about it was, you know, you didn't have to change out the whole computer every single time you wanted to, you know, get new games. And yeah, maybe you had to update the graphics card or memory or something like that, but you can kind of piecemeal it as you go, which is kind of what you do now anyway with a, a lot of. Uh, Computers is you just kind of build your own computer now, and you can piecemeal it uh, and upgrade it bit by bit as new and new, uh, newer newer technology comes out, and uh, games start requiring more stuff. You know that's that's what I liked about the computer. So uh, for me, it was all about computer gaming, um, and so I figured I'd kind of run through my uh, favorite computer games first because that's kind of where it's all at for me. That's where I really uh, get my uh, get my kicks when it comes to gaming um so computer games the honorable mention route is star wars rebellion that's a very old game i want to say like 98 99 maybe early 2000s and um it's it's a different style of game it's kind of it's really like poor graphics um but it's much more of management it's the it's, I guess, the the more governmental uh, um, side of managing. If you play as the the empire, an empire, you know, you play as the rebel alliance. It's more along the lines of managing from like the head of state, if you will, or or, the, or whatever the uh, the head position was for the rebel alliance in, in Star Wars. And so, you would send uh, ships to patrol areas. You would, uh, or, or sectors or planets. You know, and you can ha- you can move them from planet to planet in a sector, you know, and then they can patrol it. You know, you can uh, delegate uh, the production of resources, you know, for planets, and so you have to build uh, mines to to mine the the raw materials, and then refineries to uh, turn them into finished goods that you can use for building starships or troops. You know, you could send uh, certain characters on diplomatic missions, and the, each planet had like a uh, allegiance bar to it. Starts in the center, and then if you go and send diplomatic missions, they can, uh, you know, kind of in the background roll the dice and see if it works. And then you just kind of work the, your way up. And I think when they get to like 70% uh, in favor of you, they'll actually join and become one of your planets. And then you start utilizing their resources. If they come with defenses, you know, you can use them. Uh, if there's any facilities, like uh, for building troops or construction yards for building other buildings or shipyards for sh- uh, starships, then you can utilize them. And then what you do is you turn around, and it's basically just kind of like a, um, you know, a government-building uh, game where you go and do recruitment to find more characters and then you send those characters out on missions based off of their strengths and sometimes on their weaknesses you can build up their their weak points by sending them on missions and sometimes they'll actually improve their stats in it you know so I thought that was a pretty fun game um, you could probably find it now on uh, good old games or some of these other online digital uh, um, receipt type of games uh, websites um, I've still got the old uh, CD-ROM disc for it, um, but I think I do have a digital copy on Good Old Games or one of those other platforms. Definitely check it out. Um, another honorable mention, just barely, man, because I haven't played it very much, and because it's been years and years and years, and this is uh, the MMO Star Wars The Old Republic. Um, this is the Star Wars answer to World of Warcraft. And even though Star Wars, as I mentioned before in a previous episode, is my favorite genre, uh, and I really do like The Old Republic. I played it when it first came out. 
it's a lot of fun. Uh, I played a Sith Warrior, I believe it was, or a Juggernaut, or whatever they call it. It's a lot of fun. You know, I, I really enjoyed doing it. The only reason why it's not in my top five and why I don't play right now is because I'm sidetracked playing World of Warcraft. They, uh, from my perspective, Blizzard does a really good job of kind of keeping me focused as uh, on that game. Um, so, um, definitely recommend playing the Old Republic. They have, I think, they have a really good story plot behind it in their expansion packs. I just. Um, I made the decision long ago that I'm going to only play one MMO. And like I said, even though Star Wars is my favorite uh, sci-fi fantasy uh, genre or franchise, um, I'm going to have to go with Blizzard's WoW on this until something drastically changes with WoW. Uh, In lieu of that, the Old Republic will have to take a back seat. Um, So... Who knows? Maybe I'll get into it here once Dragonflight comes out and I lose interest in it or or what. I don't know. I I don't want to lose interest in WoW, but at the same time, I don't have enough time to play both WoW and Tor. So, honorable mention for both of those. Now into the top five. Starting at number five on the list is StarCraft or WarCraft. I put them together because they're both made by Blizzard. They're both real-time strategy games. And it's just kind of, you know, you build up your city, you know, you start with like a town center, and then you build up and expand from there, you know, you need uh, resources, so you have to build drones to uh, uh, mine the resources, which you then turn into, uh, you know, something that, you know, like a, a, a barracks or pylons or, or farms, but basically it's a real-time strategy. You just build up a town, you build resources, you build an army, and you go and attack the... Uh, your opponent, um, and this is really like uh, um, what really helped Blizzard succeed and jump from making real-time strategy games in the uh, um, mid '90s into the early 2000s. Because I think Warcraft 3 came out, if I'm not mistaken, mistaken, like 2002 or 2003, something like that. Um, Maybe 2001, but uh, I mean, they're real-time strategy games, especially StarCraft. I mean, that was their bread and butter for a while. And you know, when when gaming online over the internet first was a thing, um, Blizzard hit bank with their Battle.net uh, gaming online gaming system, and it was StarCraft that really kind of pushed them through to the point where they could. Uh, um, you know, expand into the uh, MMO, the massive multi- massive multiplayer online genre of gaming, and and create World of Warcraft. Um, and in fact, I was surprised they came out with World of Warcraft. I actually thought they're going to make an MMO based around StarCraft because at the time StarCraft was their lead um, uh, genre within the company. I mean, they had. Uh, they had Warcraft, you know, Warcraft was kind of their first thing that they, they came out with, uh, with Warcraft 1, I've got that CD-ROM, you know, they, then they came out with Warcraft 2, and that's really what, you know, hit a home run for them, um, and then they came out with the expansion pack for uh, Warcraft 2, and then it was StarCraft, I mean, that was basically a grand slam for them, you know, um, and they used the uh, success of Warcraft, or I mean, of StarCraft, to, um, basically expand into the online gaming world and using that game as a kind of a platform for online uh, player versus player or group versus group uh, gameplay. So that's why StarCraft and WarCraft are in there. Um, But I honestly thought they were going to make an MMO based around StarCraft because they have three factions and a a kind of a three-way battle royale between factions would be a pretty cool uh, gig, I think. Um, so I was kind of surprised when they came out with World of Warcraft, to be honest. Um, but uh, uh, StarCraft and, and Warcraft, I mean, that's those are some of my earliest uh, online group gaming uh, experiences that I remember. I remember going, getting together and playing with friends, you know, um, online and, and just having just stories to tell about uh, 
some of the online matchups and what happened and you know and comebacks where it looked like you're gonna be just utterly defeated and then vice versa stories about how you were on top of the world just just you know killing it with all the with your uh, with your units and your and your uh, team ups and then only to suffer defeat you know just tons of stories I really enjoyed the uh, that that era of gaming which actually took me into college too you know I remember playing Starcraft with some friends when I was in college you know and and um, one of the guys in my mod in my dorm he was from Korea and um, even when it was myself another friend and his roommate who was also Korean the three of us we still couldn't uh, beat this one guy you know and come to find out you know uh, I think for a while there he was ranked in the top 10 in the world to the point where uh, he was paying people to go jump online and play and it didn't matter if he, if they won or lost as long as they kept him playing on a consistent basis um, that's all that, that mattered at that point um, so I kind of figured, okay, that yeah, that makes sense as to why he's beating the snot out of all three of us. But it, you know, we would we would basically practice, uh, you know, against him, you know, and it'd be us three against him, and he would basically win. I think we only beat him like once, um, and I think he actually handicapped it himself just to make it interesting. But uh, and we we barely beat him. But it was it was a lot of fun, you know. Um, I mean, that was really my first uh, online experience playing with other people, uh, and. Uh, you know that's why StarCraft and Warcraft, the RTSs by uh, Real Time Strategy games from uh, uh, Blizzard, make my top five. Uh, number four on the list is Dark Forces and or the Jedi Knight series of first-person shooters from Star Wars. Um, this is where you follow Kyle Katarn. Uh, the first two games, I believe it is, I think it's Dark Forces and Dark Forces 2. I think those are uh, first-person shooters, kind of like Doom, if you recall Doom. Um, that style of gameplay, you're running around, you're shooting up stormtroopers, following, going on missions for the Rebel Alliance, and it takes place um, during and then slightly after the first movie, uh, Star Wars A New Hope. In fact, the opening, uh, kind of like the walkthrough tutorial for Dark Forces 1 is you infiltrating um, the Imperial base, steal the plan so you can get it to Princess Leia aboard her uh, Corellian Corvette. So that's kind of how the game opens up. And then you kind of go into all these other missions, and you end up having to go and fight Imperials because they're coming out with a Dark Trooper uh, um, program to basically uh, create like a new generation of battle droids that... Uh, are supposed to replace stormtroopers and be uh, far more uh, menacing and, and uh, superior in combat to basically squash the rebels. So, really fun storyline. I think after um, uh, Dark Forces 2... No, I think in Dark Forces 2 is kind of when it becomes a uh, uh, Jedi playing game when you as Kyle Katarn find out you're a Jedi and you start uh, doing some missions... And you have to, uh, you know, go and uh, confront Dark Jedi who have kind of taken over the Empire. Um, and the next one, Jedi Outcast, I believe it is. You're now kind of like a Jedi Knight, you know. And then in Jedi uh, Academy, you don't play as Kyle Katarn, but you're his apprentice. And you get to go on some missions with Kyle Katarn. But it's now more of a third-person uh, game where you can see like the back of the person, and you can kind of move the camera around so you can see the front of them and all that stuff. Um, so that was a really fun game, and just like I mentioned with Blizzard, um, Lucas Arts did a really good job with that game because they made it an online game, kind of like Battlefront has become, where you can go on online and you could uh, go into like little battle royales where it's team, you know, team blue versus team red, or it could just be a free-for-all where it's everybody for themselves, and you can go in there as a stormtrooper, you can go in there as a Jedi or a Sith, or you can pick your favorite character, you know, and, and uh, look like Kyle Katarn or, or what have you, you know, and it's just, you go around and you just like fight lightsaber battles or, or you know, shoot your blasters, like Battlefront basically, it was the, uh, you know, season zero of, uh, 
of Battlefront for all sense and purposes. So that really helped LucasArts, you know, really launch off into the next generation of gaming, you know, and kind of put their uh, foot in the whole internet-based uh, gaming uh, experience. Um, so that's why that's on the list there, the, the Dark Forces Jedi Knight uh, series. They're technically one the same, they just kind of change up the, uh, the naming convention halfway through it, you know. Um, so definitely worth checking out. I think you can get a lot of them on the, uh, the digital uh, websites now, like uh, Good Old Games. Uh, and you can, uh, you know, play the digital copy of it, you know, and I don't know if you can do the online, uh, internet stuff or not, but, uh, you can at least play through the storyline because there's a storyline obviously to each game, which I think was really cool. Uh, they did come out with little novels, uh, kind of like halfway between graphic novels and, uh, you know, like, uh, short stories. They came out with a series of that to kind of you know, either cover the contents of the game or con- cover content that takes place in between some of the game. So, um, definitely one of those series, that the Dark Forces series, that I wish that uh, Lucasfilm would have uh, converted over to novels. Kind of like what they did with the uh, Force Unleashed. Um, they turned those into novels that corresponded with the video games. I really wish they would have done that with Dark Forces because they would have had some really good content they could have covered in the novel because all the games were, I thought, really cool. Uh, moving on to uh, the number three. This is Heroes of Might and Magic. And this is a turn-based strategy game. Um, they've gone through many renditions. I remember playing... Well, I remember playing a couple times Heroes 1... And it was kind of like the ancient uh, kind of civilization type things, you know, where you play as the Egyptians or the Greeks or the Romans or some of the other uh, more ancient uh, empires. Uh, It's almost like Age of Empires, if you will. Um, But what really got going was uh, Heroes of Might Magic 2, you know, where it kind of went into more mythological uh, units. Um, and then Heroes 3 was like their big hit. You know, uh, you could play as Necromancers, which is all undead. You could play as the Knights, which is, you know, all the foot soldiers that you see from like, a, you know, medieval themed uh, fantasy stories. Um, there was like the Magic Group, where it was like genies and gargoyles and stuff like that. They had basically different races. And what you did is you just you start off with a castle. You slowly build up your castle. You can uh, only build one building per um, turn. Each turn is a day. You build heroes. They have a certain amount of distance they can travel each day. You basically send your hero out exploring. And you can fight creatures. You can uh, um, basically occupy uh, mines and different minerals. Well, you know, when you occupy a mine and it's considered part of your territory, then what you can do is you get... Um, minerals every single day and then you just build up your minerals and you build stuff you know and then when you come across other heroes and other um, castles you can attack them and your whole goal is to basically become the one ruler of the map and you can either follow the storyline or you can just play a single scenario um, map and some of them you know they base it off of you know like ancient Europe or something like that, you know, kind of like with Age of Empires, um, which unfortunately didn't make it onto this list. I'm actually surprised that I forgot about Age of Empires, Um, but Age of Empires, I think, would fall under the uh, um, honorable mention, probably replacing the uh, Star Wars Rebellion, now that I think of it, but uh, um, Heroes of Might and Magic is really fun. Um, You can, like I said, you, you... you create an army with a hero attached to it. Uh, you can upgrade each unit because you have like a base unit, then a secondary unit, all the way up to like six. I think there's like six units, and then you can upgrade each unit or each level of unit into like their more advanced form. Um, so instead of an archer, you get like a marksman. You know, instead of a knight, you get a crusader. Um, in the case of the uh, the castle or the knight um, uh, race of of, of uh, group of creatures, your top one, your 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 most valuable uh, unit, if you will, 
is the angel, like an upgrade to an archangel, it does even more damage and all that stuff, you know, that type of thing. And so I thought that was a fun game to play just because it had all the different uh, um, races that you can play as, you know, like jungle creatures, you know, like lizard men and basilics and uh, minotaur, you know, those type of uh, swampy type creatures, you know, just a really fun setup, I thought. Um, I think they're up to like Hero 6 now or something like that, you know, but uh, uh, 3, for me, it was just really awesome. I really enjoyed Heroes 3. Uh, I think that was their their grand slam right there. You know, they hit a home run with Heroes 2, um, and then they hit a grand slam with Heroes 3. They kind of floundered a little bit, if I recall correctly, with Heroes 4 and 5, but I think with Heroes 6, I think they rebounded pretty nicely with that one. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, that's about like five years old now. So they could be on to something else. I haven't really kept up with them lately. But uh, uh, Heroes 3 rounds it out at number three on the list. Uh, that Heroes uh, Might, of Might and Magic franchise. Really cool. Something you can more than likely get off of like a good old games uh, digital platform. So you don't have to go out there and buy the CD because it's probably pretty rare now. Uh, number two on the list, believe it or not, is World of Warcraft. Um, for all the talking I have been doing about how I like Blizzard uh, content um, and how I like World of Warcraft, and it's the only MMO I'm going to be playing right now because I really like the story plot, but um, it only comes in at number two, you know, and uh, uh, I could really talk a lot about it, but I've kind of devoted a quite a bit of other content on the Detsillian Mind. Uh, and the and the Dizillion geekdom, you know, to where um, doesn't really make sense for me to kind of rehash everything all over again. So, um, from my perspective, I'll just kind of leave WoW at the uh, number two spot and just kind of leave it as is, because like I mentioned in part one, there's going to be a lot more content that I'm going to push out, a bunch more episodes that's going to discuss, you know, World of Warcraft and its future and... Uh, intent on my side, my, the way I would have done it, you know, kind of hindsight looking back, you know, keep in mind it's hindsight's always 2020, but I'm going to come out here shortly with kind of my version of how, how I would have done World of Warcraft, um, couple versions actually, but, uh, um, and then kind of discuss how, what I think about the Dragonflight, uh, announcement. So I'll leave WoW alone at number two on the list for my favorite uh, computer games, but number one on the list um, is the Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic games. Number one and number two. Some people argue that I can include the Old Republic MMO into that as like a, 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 a Knights of the Republic 3. And from what I understand is that was sort of kind of in the works for it to be Knights of the Republic 3, but then they turned it into an MMO. Um, and expanded even more upon the games because they uh, realized that was kind of the direction that uh, they needed to go. So um, that's kind of where it's at. Knights of the Republic 1 and 2. Um, that's my bread and butter right there. Um, and in fact, the game plan that I have going forward um, for future years, not necessarily coming up this year in 2022, but... Uh, I'm guessing 2023, 2024, you know, those years and future episodes, I'm going to sit down and do a complete replay of both games, a complete critique of them, you know, on a podcast episode, just kind of looking back at them because I think it should be like their 20-year anniversary coming up here shortly. So um, I'm going to sit back down and start playing uh, both uh, Knights of the Republic uh, games again because I just think that those are really stellar games to be honest um, and that's why they're number one that's why the two real time uh, or I mean uh, they're technically third person shooters but they're RPG role play games because um, you can shoot in them too just like in uh, Jedi Academy or Dark Forces you you can zoom in and, and have like a uh, first person view or a third person view just like in World of Warcraft, you can shoot a gun or you can wield a lightsaber, it doesn't really matter. Um, but uh, Knights of the Republic is just an awesome game. And, and it's, I think it's on the, 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 
easily the top three for most Star Wars fans when it comes to like their favorite Star Wars video games, just because it's really the game where you get a chance to kind of write your own story. You get to make decisions in the game that will affect your character's alignment. You can go light side, you can go dark side. In the second game, you can figure out to go completely neutral and be like a great Jedi, if you will. Um, even though in, in, in the first game, they do have like a gray section, you know, they kind of split the uh, alignment gra- uh, spectrum into three uh, thirds. You know, on the one side, you're light side, and the other side, you're dark side. In the middle, you're technically neutral. So I guess in a way, even in number one, you could even play it that way too. But uh, it's a lot easier to, to, to do that in, in the second game. You know, and you just basically go around, you go to different worlds, you do quests, and, and what you do on each world will have a, uh, an impact uh, as to what happens uh, in the uh, later part of the game. And even better, when you play Knights of Republic 2, there's going to be questions or, or, or uh, dialogue where you can choose the dialogue and how you interact with the person you're talking to. And you can actually carry over the decisions that you make in, in the first game into the second game, hint at what happened based off the dialogue, and it'll actually shape how the second game unfolds. Um, and Bioware, I mean, they, they're phenomenal with this kind of a gameplay. A lot of people know Bioware from Mass Effect. Um, which is basically the same exact thing, only it's not Star Wars. Um, only I think what they did was is they built Mass Effect off of how they succeeded with uh, Knights of the Republic 1, and then they made the Mass Effect games. Unfortunately, Bioware did not do Knights of the Republic 2. That was Obsidian, which a lot of people didn't like Knights of the Republic 2, but I thought it was pretty sweet. Um, they did cut a lot of content, um, and unfortunately, it was because George Lucas wanted the game out before Christmas so that um, the company could make Christmas sales for the game. And so they had to cut out a lot of content in Knights of Republic 2. And unfortunately, that left the game incomplete. Um, there's been numerous projects over the years um, from fan groups who would get together and do some coding and basically uh, um, reintroduce the game into, or the cut content into the game, because apparently there's a lot of uh, unfinished scripting that was left over in the coding for the game, which they could gain access to and then um, rebuild the, the cut content, you know, based off of what they saw in there, you know, and and uh, fi- basically fix it so it would be a complete game. And this is for the first one, too, because there was some cut content in the first game, but not as much as the second game. Um, and so that's what I liked about both of those games, the story plot, you know, as well as the ability to actually go in there and change the coding of the game so that you can, you know, do some pretty weird and but cool things, you know. So that's what I liked about Knights of Republic 1 and 2. It was... You know, for me, it was the complete gaming experience in the Star, and and also in the Star Wars universe. You know, kind of a best of both worlds type of thing. Um, so for me, that that's kind of where I'm at with my top five uh, um, video games that are on the computer, and uh, I don't really foresee too terribly much changing in that. As you can see, I just off the top of my head. Uh, in this recording, remember the Age of uh, Empire. Um, so that would pr- become the new honorable mention instead of Star Wars Rebellion. But you know, when I sit down and create some of these lists, I kind of have a brain fart here and there as to some of the games I play. So uh, the nice thing about kind of running some of these uh, uh, podcasts, uh, kind of you know, ad libbing it here and there, not really following too much of a script, is get a chance to kind of you know brainstorm while I talk. And then remember stuff that I used to like, Age of Empires being one of them. So, um, 
that's all I have for the, uh, the computer games. And then the last section is the console games. You know, so this would be the Nintendos, the uh, Game Boys, the Segas, game you know, gaming systems like that. Not basically everything that's not a computer. Um, honorable mention for this is the uh, NES Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game. I love that game. It was one of my um, first games that I got for Nintendo. Mainly because I liked the uh, the arcade game so much. I When I bought the uh, Ninja Turtles uh, NES game, um, I liked it, but I could never get past the the, the dam that you have to go and swim underwater, and then you have like the uh, the underwater seaweed that will electrify you if you get if you touch it. I could never ever ever beat that area, so I was always stuck doing like the first couple of levels in the game, never being able to get past the uh, um, the seaweed portion when you jump off the dam into the water, uh, which really bummed me out because I. I I really like that game, but I can, I just can never get beyond it. Uh, recently, I did find um, uh, an emulator online. You just go into Google and you can type in uh, uh, TMNT NES emulator, and you can actually play the game right on your laptop using the arrow keys. And I think the space button allows you to do some stuff here and there as well. I mean, it was it was pretty slick. So I. You know, a while back, you know, five years ago or so, I was sitting down, and if I had some free time, I would sit there and play that. You know, I might have to strike that back up again uh, sitting around the airport uh, where I'm not doing anything. Just sit down and start playing uh, the game and see if the uh, um, see if the uh, the Wi-Fi there at the airport can handle such an event. But uh, I thought that was pretty sweet that I was able to go back and play it again. But... Unfortunately, it never made my top five. Still in the honorable mention. Also in the honorable mention is Base Wars. Now, this is a pretty fun game. Um, last minute, I switched it up. It was my top five. Set at number five. But then the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, you know what? I, I can't put this at number five. It's going to the honorable mention. And uh, Base Wars, it's, uh, it's baseball, but it's uh, robots. And you have different kinds of robots. You have a robot where it's, uh, you know, robot body, and then the the, the base is like a uni, unicycle wheel. You got one that floats, and it looks like a uh, alien spaceship. Another one just the regular legs, like a human. Um, and then there's like another one I think that's like a tank, you know, body, but with, uh, you know, torso of like a robotic person. And you're you're pitching, you know, just like in baseball. The cool thing is, is you can uh, do some wacky things with the ball when you uh, when you pitch it to the uh, the batter. You can hit the arrow buttons on the NES, and you can make the ball sink down and go to the right or left, and then back again the other way. You know. Now, granted, the uh, the batter can also do that too. He can uh, uh, move closer and further away from the uh, the base uh, from home plate. He can. Uh, um, swing low, swing high, you know, swing in the middle, that type of thing to where he can try to make some adjustments, you know, based off of where the ball is flying. And, uh, you know, you just get on on base. If you hit a home run, great. It's scored just like in regular baseball. The only uh, difference is, is when you get into a pickle, if you will, um, you go into a battle where you fight it out, which I thought was pretty sweet. And so, you know, you can have your one... Uh, unicycle robot do some like cartwheel things and hit the uh, opponent you could have your uh, um, hovering uh, alien spaceship body uh, robot go and kind of like a, do a hovering attack and smash into the guy's face it was really cool they they uh, and then they had different weapons too you can you can either uh, equip your robot with kind of like a sword or just with like a gun you know and you could, you could fight like that like Mortal Kombat style uh, and you can do different special moves and stuff like that. So I thought it was really sweet. It was called Base Wars. Um, I wonder, you might be able to play on NES, or I mean on an NES emulator. Or if you still have the NES, I guess you could probably always jump on that and, and try playing it too, you know. But uh, um, definitely a really fun game. Uh, it's called Base Wars. Um, number five on the list 
like I said, last minute uh, add-on in there. And uh, once again, this is for NES, and it's ice hockey. Um, I mean, this is just classic. This is one of the first games I, I, I got when I bought the uh, Nintendo, and uh, I, it, it's still I still have it too. It's the one game I have left over. I have the Nintendo, the um, one controller, and ice hockey. No plugins to make it work, and I don't even think it'll work anyway because it's been sitting dormant since high school, so about 20 years now, so I doubt it even works. But my favorite game on, on Nintendo, um, and that is uh, uh, Ice Hockey. And that's the one where you get to pick your team, and you can choose from three different body types for ice skaters. One's the really big fat one. He's really slow, but he, he hits his... His slap shots are just hard and fast. I'm sorry, they're hard, you know. Um, and if you if you're skating around and he comes across somebody smaller than him, he'll basically bump them off the puck and take and kind of steal the puck away from them. Um, and when you get into a fight, he's got a better chance of winning as well. But he's very slow, um, and I think his accuracy is not quite as up to par either. Uh, you got the skinny uh, skater. He's really fast. He's got a weak slap shot, um, but uh, more accurate, I would say. And then you got the, the medium-sized guy. He's kind of in the middle, you know. And so you can kind of tweak up your your player, uh, your, your squad, if you will. Pick, you know, it's a four-player uh, um, setup. Not five like what uh, the NHL or all the other uh, hockey leagues play, but it's a four men on the ice plus the goalie. You know, so you can pick out your your squad. You can do two two medium sized guys, one fat, one skinny, or you can do all big guys, all medium guys, or all skinny guys. It kind of up to you how you want to set it up. Um, if you play against the computer, it's all randomized as to what team you play against and what their uh, character, what their uh, skater makeup is. Uh, and then you got some limited control of the goalie. Um, so, but it was a lot of fun. I enjoy, really enjoyed playing. You could play two player and play against like somebody. The one quirk or the one, uh, um, the one thing I noticed with uh, playing the game though is there's like a little loophole in the game, and, and that is um, if you shoot the puck before you get to the blue line. The opposite player cannot see his goalie, so he doesn't know where his goalie's at. And you know, it, it almost gets to a point where chances are, if you shoot the puck from the the middle third of the ice in between the two uh, blue lines, but closer to your uh, blue line to where you're in the offensive zone, uh, chances are it's going to go in the back of the net just because the uh, your opponent can't see where his goalie's at, and chances are he will miss the puck and it'll be a goal. Um, so that's kind of the one downside to it. You can kind of figure out a way to kind of, you know, work the game and work the system, if you will, to make it work and uh, to score. Um, I don't. It doesn't work quite as well with the uh, if you play the AI on it, uh, um, but against a human player, generally speaking, you know, I think it was like when I was playing, it was like seven times out of ten I could score a goal just by shooting it right around the blue line to where the... Uh, the opposite player could not uh, see the uh, uh, their goalie moving back and forth. Um, I think we in- ended up in- instituting a house rule where you cannot do that. You had to you had to be on in the uh, your offensive zone, not the neutral zone. The neutral zone is between the two blue lines, so you had to be in your own offense in your offensive zone in order to uh, shoot the puck. That way, mainly because I'd be sitting there doing that, and I wouldn't rack up like ten goals or something like that. Um, cool thing was is you could play a man down if you got into a fight or if you if you committed a penalty just like in regular hockey i think you get down to like two players on the ice if you got two guys uh on the uh, in the penalty box i tried getting three but for some reason the game would never let me do it um so i think they had a limit to how many guys you could have on the ice or get in the penalty box so always a fun game to play is ice hockey uh number four on the list that would be Quackshot on Sega. Quackshot is pretty sweet. It's uh, um, 
basically what you're doing is you're going around, you're, you're, you're uh, kind of a relative to Donald Duck, uh, but you're an archaeologist like uh, uh, Indiana Jones, and so you're going around and trying to recover artifacts from all these different uh, exotic locations, you know, so you have a um, a level that is in the jungle, the Amazon. You got another one that's in the uh, the around the pyramids of Egypt, and it's kind of weird because you kind of shoot plungers, and uh, that's how you that's what you use as your weapon is a plunger gun. And you go around and you got like uh, like a yellow, a green, and a and a uh, red plunger, and each one has a special ability to it. You know. Um, I think the yellow one does quite a bit of damage, but it doesn't stick to the wall. You know, the green one can stick to the wall, so you can jump on it. But I think once you jump on it, it'll fall to the ground. It, it was, you, I can't remember, but there was a bunch of different color uh, plungers for your plunger gun, and each one will allow you to do something else with it. And, you know, you can use the plungers to climb up walls that, uh, you know, were uh, generally you know, unscalable without the plungers, and you know, so you jump, plunger it, and jump on top of the plunger, and then you jump on to the, you know, plunger again, and then you jump onto that plunger, and to, to, to scale a wall, it was just a really fun game, you know, I thought it was really sweet, I always enjoyed playing it, I was on Sega, I believe it was, um, but um, that's kind of a theme of the past too, kind of like the Nintendo, so... Uh, if I could find one of those games, it'd be awesome to where I could uh, play that game again. Um, next up on the list is Mario Kart for Wii. Uh, I never got really into the other Mario Karts from, from some of the other uh, Nintendo uh, gaming consoles, but Mario Kart Wii was just a lot of fun. Rainbow Road, I'm, like most people, it was my bane. I could not stand Rainbow Road. But uh, always loved playing, whether it was uh, multiplayer on one system or hooked up to a LAN or just on the internet because you could, you could do Mario Kart Wii racing on the internet and race against other people all around the world. That was a lot of fun, you know. I remember uh, playing with friends all the time, going over to their place, and the two of us would just go online and, and race against people all across the world, you know, and and uh, do the tracks, you know, and gain points, you know, to unlock different features. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. A lot of good times were, you know, just had sitting back laughing and racing and, you know, getting competitive, you know, if it was a versus type of thing. But uh, it was a lot of fun. I really, really, really enjoyed uh, Mario Kart Wii. Um, Unfortunately, I can't find anybody anymore to play with me because it's just tough to find, you know. Um, and it's tough for people are moving on and playing other games as new themes come out, so kind of tough to find it now. Um, next one is Halo, and it doesn't matter if it's Halo 1, 2, or whatever, just the Halo series. I enjoyed playing that on Xbox. You know, my college years when I wasn't playing StarCraft, I was playing Halo 1 or 2. Um, Halo 2, and even Halo 3, all three, I'd say the first three Halo games, all three of them are still just top-notch gaming stuff, you know, just Blood Gulch, you know, I remember that map, you know, and oh man, it was a lot of fun, you know, uh, Beaver Creek, I think was another one, a smaller version of Blood Gulch, it was just, you know, my favorite story was uh, going online to play once again, one of those gaming uh, things where you can go online and play against people on the internet, and it was like the smallest map pop- possible, I think it was Blood or uh, uh, Beaver Creek, but it was like 15 people aside, you know. Um, I don't know how they did it, but they found they were able to get 30 people. And we did it once where it was team play, and another time when it was free for all. And basically, because of all the action, I mean, you, you had a, a spawn life of like 15 seconds, 20 seconds. It did not last very long. Um, just the moment you spawn, chances are there's going to be somebody right next to you doing something or respawning themselves so you basically respawn right into a battle and you die again 15 seconds later you know but still just a lot of fun playing on you know four player on one tv screen or over land or over the internet just they did a xbox uh, a bungee i think it is did a really good job with that uh particular game making that uh um an internet-based uh combat uh 
first-person shooter game. Uh, there's a storyline you can follow, but like I said, what really knocked it out of the park for him was doing the online battles. Um, single map or random map type of thing. But, man, I love playing Halo. That was a lot of fun. I tons of years playing that uh, um, throughout my college career and then a few years after that, too. Um, kind of died down now, but it's making a comeback with a, a TV show. But uh, um, definitely takes me back to, to college and then a few years after that as well. And then lastly, my number one favorite console game is Skyrim on PlayStation uh, 3, I think it is. Um, that was just a lot of fun playing. You know, it's I still haven't beat it, um, or at least I haven't completed all the quests I could. Unfortunately, I kind of uh, did all the main quests right away, and so I got that main storyline completed. And I still had quite a bit to do and for other stuff, and it kind of got boring playing all the side quests afterwards. Um, but uh, it was a lot of fun to play. You know, you could go and build, craft your own stuff, and um, a lot of people really wish that uh, Blizzard would kind of update their graphics and uh, kind of emulate uh, Skyrim in terms of how World of Warcraft is played. Uh, and I think, too, uh, since Skyrim has come out, they, that uh, Elder Scrolls has come out with a uh, an MMO version of the game. So uh, they've kind of taken it from uh, RPG into an MMO-style game. But uh, for me, Skyrim will always be, you know, top tier when it comes to uh, console gaming. Um, a lot of fond memories playing that as well. Mainly just recently here, you know, it's been about five years since I played it, but uh, when I was playing it, I was really digging it to the point where I actually stopped playing WoW to sit down and actually play through it, you know, a couple years. It was a lot of fun, you know, it, uh, um, it definitely hit a home run on that one. Um, so, and from what I understand too, is they've had a whole bunch of other uh, um, RPG games from before that too, you know, kind of progressing through the ages, upgrading this technology, becoming more and more fun um but skyrim was really the pinnacle for me when it came to uh um the elder scrolls series and when it comes to console gaming uh when it comes uh, when it comes to rpgs so um that's my list for console games and that kind of rounds out the uh um the last bit of my top five um games if you will um, so I went over and covered uh, console games, uh, computer games. And uh, the previous episode I did, uh, um, what was it? Um, arcade games, card games, board games. Tons of, tons of games that I like to play. So uh, thanks for tuning in. I hope everyone's having a good evening and uh, you have a good rest of your weekend. Thank you for tuning in to The Detsillion Mind. I'm your host, Jason. Uh, closing out another episode of the Italian Geekdom. You yeah, have a good one. <laughs>